Welcome to Prescribed Listening from the University of Toledo Medical Center. Today's guest is Dr. David Sohn, Chief of the Shoulder and Sports Medicine Division at UTMC and Head Orthopedic Physician for the University of Toledo football team. For athletes of all kinds, he emphasizes the importance of stretching in preventing and treating pain. My name is David Sohn. I'm a professor of orthopedic surgery um, and the chief of the shoulder and sports medicine division here at the University of Toledo Medical Center. I have been a sports medicine physician for the past 12 years. Um, I um, am a former athlete. I really enjoy athletics and athletic competition. And so um, the area of sports medicine, which is um, basically trying to keep people in the game, um, is has always been very uh, appealing and interesting to me. Um, one interesting thing about sports medicine is relative to other orthopedic disciplines, um, we have relatively a, a lower percentage of surgeries that we see. Um, probably only about one in five people who come and see me um, actually end up needing to have a surgical condition. Um, so one thing I have learned um, is uh, that an aspect of physical fitness that, that most people um, tend to neglect is that of stretching and flexibility. When we think of a physical fitness, I encourage people to think of physical fitness as a tripod, okay? Three different legs. Um, everyone knows about strength and, and they will do strength training. And everybody knows about cardiovascular. So they'll, they'll do things to improve their cardiovascular fitness. But one thing almost everybody forgets is flexibility. And I would say that um, the greatest bang for the buck that people can do for their physical fitness, at least in terms of avoiding pain, avoiding musculoskeletal pain, is stretching. And um, there are numerous conditions where people will come and see me and they'll have pain. And all I really um, need to do is, is encourage them to do the proper stretching and it will get, get rid of it. Um, some examples, um, patellofemoral pain. Patellofemoral pain means that you have pain around the kneecap, which is also called the patella, right? This is um, a joint that we'll see um, in certain activities up to three times our body weight. So it's, it's a, a joint that really um, can, can load a lot, particularly with um, thigh-based strengthening. So people who are doing a lot of kicking, people who are doing a lot of jumping, people who are doing a lot of sprinting or, or stair climbing, these things all use your quads and will overload your uh, kneecap, your patella. And they will have corresponding anterior knee pain. So, and they'll have this pain even if there's their joint itself is perfect. You get an MRI and it's a perfect looking knee, okay? So this person does not need injections. They certainly don't need any kind of surgery. What they need is to offload the kneecap. So almost invariable, people here will have tightness of their hamstrings because the hamstrings are a, an antagonistic muscle to the quadriceps. So the, the hamstrings, when they pull, the knee bends. When the quadriceps pull, the knee straightens. So they're kind of counterproductive. Someone who has tight hamstrings, okay, the hamstrings are constantly pulling the knee into flexion. To counter that, the quadriceps have to add even more force in order to get it to straighten. So now you take an athlete who is doing a lot of quadriceps-based exercises, right? They're already doing a lot of jumping or kicking or, or sprinting. And if their hamstrings are tight, 
their quadriceps have to account for that extra 15% or so of tightness, they're going to develop pain and inflammation around, around their kneecap. You take that same person and if you encourage them to make daily hamstring stretching a part of their, of their life, you know, now they can do their activity without incurring that extra pain and, and they can, they can get back to what they love, you know, without injections or without surgeries or anything. Another example is, is your iliotibial band. So, um, there's a condition called runner's knee where if you have a, a tight iliotibial band, that band actually rubs against the, the outside of, of the knee, a, a bone called the lateral epicondyle. So people who are running a lot, it's actually just like two sticks rubbing against each other, making friction and making a fire, just rubbing, 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 and it will cause inflammation, right? You know, so um, the same person, they, they love running though, right? So what, what should they do? stretch your IT band. If you stretch that IT band, now you don't have as much friction. Now you can do what you love. You can run, right? And, and you don't need surgery, you know, um, an injection might be necessary to calm down some of the inflammation. But the basic thing that you really, really, really need to do is stretch that IT band, you know, in the shoulder, right? So the, the shoulder, there's a condition called impingement. What impingement is, is where two bones in the shoulder pinch against each other when you raise your arm. These two bones are the acromion and the greater tuberosity. Uh, when you raise your arm or, or do reaching, these bones tend to move closer to each other, right? And the unfortunate thing though is the rotator cuff lives in between the, these two bones and so does the bursa. So if you're repetitively reaching, um, then you're repetitively pinching um, that, that rotator cuff or the bursa. And um, but there is an exercise that you can do to kind of stretch and open up um, the, the capsule so that the starting position between those bones is further apart. You have to begin with greater space between the acromium and the greater tuberosity. You have to begin with more space for that rotator cuff and bursa to live, right? So if, if you're diligent about doing um, uh, certain stretches called um, posterior capsule stretching, right? Then you can, again, you can do those things you love. So let's say you're a tennis player or you're a volleyball player, or you're someone who does a lot of overhead things. You don't have to stop doing those things if you are, are like, or a swimmer, if you're, if you're diligent ab about stretching. So um, there are numerous conditions which we treat in sports medicine, which are almost entirely non-surgical and can be helped with stretching. All of our joints are use it or lose it, right? If, if we don't um, uh, take our joints through a, a certain range of motion, then our joint capsules can tighten. Think of the, the joint capsule as a, a loose bag around a joint, right? If that bag shrinks and tightens down, now that, that it's, it's not a problem when, when the joint is in mid-range, but at the end points of the range of motion, if that capsule is tight, then you lose that that ability. An example would be somebody who has, for example, a flexion contracture of their knee, which is actually, it sounds like it's not much, but it's extremely painful. The ability to fully straighten your knee is critical to being able to walk and stand for long periods of time without pain. Um, if you ever notice that when, when you're just standing um, for long periods of time, just for your own kind of like um, fun, just tap your, your thighs as you, if you've been standing for a long time and you'll find that your, your muscles are actually not engaged. The, the thighs are completely relaxed. 
And that's because our knees have something called the screw home mechanism such that when it fully straightens, the knees actually twist at the last second and kind of lock the, the knee in, into position. This allows us to stand without engaging our thighs. People who lose the ability to fully straighten their knee, they lose that, that ability to lock out their knee. So their thighs are constantly engaged all day. So um, if you want to know what it feels like to be that kind of person, walk for just 15 minutes with your knees slightly bent and your thighs will be burning with pain because that's not the way our knees are designed. So if we're not fully stretching, then we're going to lose that. Another example is frozen shoulder. You know, so um, frozen shoulder is a condition where the, the, the capsule that the shoulder lives in shrinks and becomes inflamed and you lose your ability to fully straighten and you will have pain at the endpoints of your range of motion. So this will disrupt your sleep pattern because you'll be sleeping and people tend to move around and then they'll hit the endpoint of their range of motion very early and then it will wake them up. Okay, so these are all examples where um, not doing daily stretching can cause pain even with our normal activity of daily living. Another one is muscles. Your muscles, um, you have your muscles, which then transition to a musculotendinous junction and then the tendons attached to the bone, right? Well, muscles really only have one thing that they can do. They can contract, right? That's, that's what muscles do. They contract. Um, and then when they stop contracting, then they can relax and uh, the, the counter antagonistic muscle will help stretch them out, right? But if all you're ever doing is contracting, you know, then over time, those muscles and tendons are going to get tight. The bones and joints, all of our, um, our muscles and, and musculocutaneous systems, they're all based off of, of collagen, right? And they're not like, they're not static like wood or metal, okay? They have um, uh, time-dependent and, and also length-dependent properties. Their, their properties actually change on stretch, stress and strain curves. And so if we don't stretch on a regular basis, then we will become tight. And one thing I have noticed is that athletes tend to become tight in whatever they use. For example, a baseball pitcher is going to be tight in the throwing shoulder more than in the non-throwing shoulder, right? A sprinter is going to be tight in their hamstrings, much more so than, than, than non-athletes, right? Um, and this is because we, we, as a, um, we, we do have a very good habit of stretching before practices and we stretch before athletic contests, um, but we don't always stretch afterwards. So stretching before activity helps prevent injury, no question about it. But stretching afterwards is going to help prevent long-term stiffness and whatever the thing that the athlete tends to use a lot would be. Would be. Static stretching is you just, you, you reach and, and you hold. Dynamic, there's, there's bobbing, there's some momentum that goes along um, with it. You can gain more with, with dynamic, but the problem is you can also have some, some more injury. So um, one general rule for, for stretching is you don't want to cause pain. It's, you want to stretch to a point of discomfort, okay, because then that way you're making gains, but you don't want to um, cause pain. Why? Stiffness is primarily mediated by inflammation. If you are actually causing inflammation, 
you're going to cause stiffness. It's going to be counterproductive. So when you stretch, you want to stretch to the point of discomfort so you make gains, but not to the point that you're actually having pain or else it's going to end up being counterproductive. So, so dynamic stretching is, is good as long as it's done properly and you're not stretching to the point that you're actually causing pain. I do think that the, of the things that, that I see in, in my clinic, the two things that I see the most are people who have shoulder pain due to posterior capsule tightness and people who have anterior knee pain from hamstring inflexibility. So we're not talking about having to do a lot, okay? A very popular stretch for posterior capsule stretching is the sleeper stretch. Um, you can just Google it and, and, and you'll see this is a, a tried and true, true stretch. If you do this stretch 10 times every day, so, and by, by the stretch, I mean, you, you do the sleeper stretch and you hold it for a 10 count and that's one, right? You hold it for a 10 count and that's one. Do 10 of them for each shoulder, okay? Do that every day. That will be the equivalent of an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And same with the hamstring stretching, you know, do 10, 10 second stretches. There's, a, there's many different hamstring stretchings out there. Just look them up. We all remember what it was like in school when you do your stretching of your hamstrings. There's a, you know, reach down, touch your toes, hold it for a 10 count, same thing, you know, do that on a regular basis, you know, that will help out. If you've got like Achilles pain, or if you have plantar fasciitis, stretching out your heel cord, you know, like the, the calves and the Achilles tendon, same thing, find a step, step on it so that you're stretching the bottom of your foot, you're stretching the back of your heel cord, heel cord 10 seconds, 10 times, that will, in the majority of times, get rid of plantar fasciitis. So, Again, there's there's numerous things that we can help you with with just uh, stretching and that don't need surgery or braces or injections or things like that. Well, I'd say the the big mistake is um, um, mixing stretching and strengthening. Okay, so strengthening uh, and there's a role for strengthening, right? But but strengthening is going to actually bring in some inflammation. That makes sense, right? You know, particularly if someone's already tight or inflamed, that's going to bring in more inflammation. So that's going to be counterproductive. So what I would recommend is trying to think of things in stages. You know, if if you're tight, okay, if your shoulders are tight, if your hamstrings are tight, if you've got a frozen shoulder, if you've got a knee flexion contracture, if you've got plantar fasciitis with a tight heel core, any of these things, okay, focus on getting motion and flexibility first. And just take a break, just take a pause from any type of strengthening during that time, okay? Get your motion first. And then once your motion comes, great. You can do you know, any kind of lifting or strengthening or, or things that you, you want. In my experience, stretching and flexibility, right? Flexibility will not come by itself. So for example, there, there are a lot of things that just come by itself. If you, if you have a scratch on your arm, you don't have to do anything about it, it's gonna heal by itself, right? You know, um, there are even fractures, like fractures, like non-displaced hairline fractures. You know, you just protect that thing, it'll heal all by itself. Motion is not like that, okay? If your shoulder is tight, if, you, if your heel cord is tight, if your IT band is tight, hamstrings are tight, whatever, right? It's not going away by itself. It has to be earned, right? So if a patient comes in and their motion has improved significantly, I know that they were working. You know, it ain't, it ain't coming no other way, right? You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it um, diligently, you know? Um, so, and when you mix them, like a lot of times, like, you know, somehow the, sometimes the most gung-ho patient is the patient who's gonna get into trouble, right? Because they're so eager 
to get on with their stretching. You know, they're so eager to do things, right? They haven't gained their motion yet. And then they start to get setbacks. They, they start to, to, to bring inflammation in the system. Inflammation causes stiffness and then they start going backwards. So it's not that the stretches have, you know, are right or wrong. I mean, there's a bajillion stretches. I mean, there is true. Some stretches are better than are like the sleeper stretches, a tried and true stretch, you know, but there's a many ways you can stretch your hamstrings. But if you stretch your hamstrings and then you, you go out and you do like a, a lot of like squats or something like that, you know, it's going to be counterproductive. Right. So it's not that the stretch was was done wrong. It's just that two things which are um, antagonistic are being mixed together. You're not going to get the best results. One thing to um, to keep in mind is I think there's a lot of times where people might be afraid of surgery. Right. Which I I get. I mean, (laughs) surgery can be scary. Right. And so I think there's sort of a, um, a perception that if I see a surgeon they're going to recommend surgery and i don't want surgery so i don't want to i don't want to see a surgeon i would challenge that notion you know um overwhelming majority of people who i see for example you know i do not recommend like 80 percent of the, the the new patients that i see i don't do surgery on right you know so surgery is just one of our our tools in our toolbox right and um one nice thing about people who have sports medicine training is you know, we like to see people who we can get better with non-operative. That's part of our training. You know, our ultimate goal is really just to let you do the things that you love. Um, and we do have as part of our fellowship training, we work with physical therapists. We work with brace manufacturers. We we understand how to get people back into the game through conservative treatment. So I would encourage people to see people sooner rather than later if they're having um, pain, you know, as a general rule, you know, pain that persists more than than two weeks, you know, certainly pain that's more than six six weeks, you should probably see somebody just because, you know, not not everything is something that is getting worse, you know, but there are some things that, you know, the longer you let it go, you know, the worse it is and the treatment would have been easier if if you saw someone, you know, earlier. For example, rotator cuff tears, right? You know, um, not all rotator cuff tears are the same, you know, like um, the the bigger a rotator cuff tear, right, the more um, more atrophy has gone on in the muscles and, 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 and even the nerves, you know. So because of that, when you do a repair, you know, generally speaking, the, the bigger the tear, the longer the recovery, you know. So, you know, um, like a small rotator cuff tear. Like it's torn, but it's less than a centimeter. That's a pretty easy repair, not only to technically do, but also for a patient to recover from. We're, we're talking sling for six weeks, and then there's not that much rehab that has to happen, right? Because they don't have a whole lot of muscle atrophy. So we're talking something like, like six to eight weeks. But then when you talk about a medium tear, you know, one to the three centimeters, now we're talking, it's going to be more like, three to four months, right? How about a large tear? A large tear is defined as between three to five centimeters. You know, now we're talking four to six months. Well, what about a massive tear, a tear that's bigger than five centimeters? Now we're talking six to 12 months. So these are some very big differences, right? And since we know that symptomatic rotator cuff tears on average change, like they'll go from a small to a medium to a large to a massive every seven to eight months, right? 
you know, that's something where the sooner you, you treat that probably is the better. You know, um, there are two things that you really want to, to see people, someone sooner rather than later. Okay. Um, one of them is if, if you injure your knee and your knee can't straighten, then it could be a displaced bucket handle meniscus tear, right? So that's something you're going to want early um, evaluation for because um, in that case, the torn meniscus is out of place. It's away from its blood supply. The sooner we get that back into place and repair it so it's back to blood supply, the, the better chance we have to allow that thing to live. I mean, not everybody who can't straighten their knee has that, but that's one that you really want to see someone earlier you know, rather than, than, than later, um, for another one is, is your, is your elbow. The, the elbow joint does not tolerate immobilization for a long time, right? So, um, let's say you hurt your elbow and then you go to the emergency room and, and they, they put you in a sling or they put you in, in, in some type of immobilization, right? Sometimes if, if you are immobilized for more than a week in just a, something simple like that, you will lose the ability to fully straighten your elbow. Right. And so and, and it might not be necessary. Like if if you have something that is an inherently stable fracture, you want to get out of your mobilization fast. Right. So that's not something that you want to, you know, you know, hold and stick around because like you, I can imagine it's so like someone hurt, hurt their elbow. They're in a sling. They figure that the longer I stay in the sling, the, the, the better it's going to be. Right. And so, you know, but then week after week, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Right. Right. Because their elbow's getting stiffer and stiffer and stiffer and and you can lose the ability to fully straighten. it. So so that's one that you want to be evaluated early on. So then then you can be told, look, get rid of that sling. At this point, the sling is the enemy. Right. Um, we we have um, uh, so we have sports medicine that that can cover from A to Z. You know, so we can care for the, the adolescent athlete. We can care for the, the middle age athlete. We can we can treat anything from from sprains to um, overuse injuries or just weekend warrior injuries. Try not to be scared of the orthopedic surgeon. We're not we're not hammers that are always just looking for a nail. You know, it's it's not like that at all. When you come in and you sit me and you're sitting in front of me, okay, my only goal is to get you better. If I can do that with with a cream, I'll do it with a cream. If I can do it showing you how to do some stretches, then that's what I'm gonna do. If you need formal physical therapy, we've got great physical therapists, sports medicine, trained physical therapists. They're used to working with athletes. If you need to see one of those guys, then we'll get you to go see them. If you need surgery, if it's in my specialty and, and, and I feel like I can do that as well as anybody, then I'll do the surgery. But if, if not, if there's someone who can do it better, I'm gonna refer you to, to that person. That's all I care about. If you're sitting in front of me, then you know, no matter which path I have to go, you know, I want you to get better. That's my goal. Thank you for listening to Prescribed Listening from the University of Toledo Medical Center. To learn more about the provider you heard on today's show, visit utmc.utoledo.edu. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. More Prescribed Listening next week from UTMC.